0: Hey there, welcome to LSAT Demon Daily. I'm Ben Olson and that's Nathan Fox. Together we're the founders of LSATdemon.com and our weekly podcast, Thinking LSAT. We have an email here from Will.
1: Will says, Gents, let's talk about the likelihood of full scholarship for an academically challenged veteran. Okay, let's. (laughs) I graduated from a military service academy in 2006 with a 2.34 Parentheses, yeah, I'm cringing too. I went to the fleet, traveled the world, and wore the uniform through 2018. During that time, I learned a lot about myself and completed a master's with a 3.9. Parentheses, doesn't count for calculations, but evidences improvement, and I like saying it. Okay, so bad undergrad a long time ago, good master's, given... One, I want to go to law school here in Texas, and I don't want to pay for it. Two, I don't want to use my GI bill since I already transferred it to my children. Three, I haven't done a diagnostic, so I don't know where I'm currently sitting on a projected score. I began studying two months ago, and my goal is to attain a 170 or better on the LSAT. Oh, I have a note on that. Four. I know my undergraduate GPA will be reported via the five Oh nine for the university and anything below their average will drag them down. There's no value to them offering a full scholarship to someone in that position, regardless of their LSAT score. That's just a fact.
0: Whoa. That's not a given.
1: Yeah. Okay. So we got a couple notes there. Um, Uh, Let me read the question and then then we can come back and give our notes. Yep. Although undergraduate GPA and LSAT scores are the primary data for the 509s, is there any scholarship consideration given for an undergrad that was obtained over a decade and a half ago? I know I can address this in the personal statement. Uh, No, not in your personal statement. And addendum. Yes, in your addendum. But what's your opinion on the likelihood of actually surmounting the 509 numbers and getting a full ride? Let's assume a 170 or better. I was very blessed to find LSAT Demon when I began my LSAT prep and immensely appreciate it, appreciate the massive effort y'all have put into the structure, content and engagement of LSAT Demon. I look forward to your response, although I likely already know the answer. Keep up the great work and keep moving forward! Exclamation point. Very respectfully. Will, thanks, Will, for writing in under given number three. You say, I haven't done a diagnostic, so I don't know where I'm currently sitting on a projected score. And then you say, I began studying two months ago. And that makes me kind of as a teacher, it makes me kind of facepalm a little bit because it's just like, dude, what are you doing? Take a fucking practice test like you don't study for two months without taking a practice test. That's crazy. You don't have to do it all in one sitting. You could do one section a day. That's fine. But take a practice test. If you're not taking practice tests, then I I don't know what you're doing, studying, but you're not, you're not taking my advice for what you should do in your studies. So welcome to the demon. I'm glad you're here. I want to help you. You need to take a practice test and you need to start taking them kind of regularly.
0: Yeah. Once every two weeks, once every three weeks would be good. But I think we both agree that the bulk of people's study should be time sections and drilling, right? Going back and forth between those two things. I agree though, hundred percent. You need to get in there and take a practice test.
1: Even if all you do is timed sections, you know, one a day, one every other day, whatever, we can still calculate your score. So yep. we would have some idea where you're at and like, it's just useful to get some idea where you're at. Plus you need to start doing the test under timed conditions so that you can get used to the fact that the clock is ticking and you're probably not going to finish and you're going to just do your best on every question. Like that's a skill that you have to practice. And if you're not timing yourself, then you're just not practicing that skill. It's not possible. Yep. Ben is going to quibble with your given number four.
0: Yeah. You said in number four, I know that my undergrad GPA will be reported via the 509 for the university. Yes, that is true. Oh, well, It won't specifically be reported, but it will affect the GPA numbers that are reported. And anything below their average will drag them down. Uh, There's no value to them offering a full scholarship to someone in that position, regardless of their LSAT score. That's just a fact. Well, just a couple episodes ago on this podcast, we reviewed, what is it? uh, Law School Data? LSD.com? Yeah. Or LSD.law? Sorry.
1: LSD.law. Yeah. And if you look at the school reports there, um, you're going to definitely see. What, what were the ones we went through? Wash you uh, in St. Louis. Arizona. Yep. Arizona, UCLA. Check out the schools in Texas. It could be different there, but the odds are that those schools are still admitting a shit ton of uh, high LSAT, low GPA splitters so i can go okay let's take a look at uh <clears throat> ut austin law school for starters yeah let's do it <clears throat> now that's a great school um and possibly higher ranked than you're going to be going scholarship fishing at um with a real low gpa mm-hmm. but they yeah they they have a a pretty clear line of yellow where they're waitlisting people at you know exactly 169 lsat And then they have a pretty clear line of green people that starts like right at 170 LSAT.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So like they're making, they are really making lots of admissions decisions based on LSAT. And I can see here that they are at least admitting, and these aren't wait lists, by the way, these are admits. They are admitting people with like, you know, 175, 2.5.
0: Yeah. Spiteful resolute Resolute. Huh?
1: Spiteful Resolute Impala.
0: Impala. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's an I. Yeah. 175 LSAT GPA 2.53. Admit.
1: Yes. Um, This is UT, right? But let's let's go ahead and um, let's look at uh, these other schools, because if if you just want to stay in Texas, there's other law schools in Texas and Texas A&M Law School. Yeah, they're admitting lots of low GPA folks. I mean, I can see a half dozen people who have below a 3.0 who did not get waitlisted, who got admitted. Yep. And, um, you know, play around with the scholarship estimator because we have seen splitters get scholarships. Yep. So I I just don't. Yeah, I definitely do not agree with your premise there, Will that there's that it's impossible to get that scholarship. Now, how closely can we predict it? Not at all. you need to get your very best LSAT? Apply broadly. Negotiate. Yep. And then decide. I think that's it. Yeah, we I wish we could predict it like exactly. You know, the one thing I know for sure, Will, is that your outcomes are going to be wildly better. The better you're, LSAT gets like you're you're below the 50th percentile at every law school on your GPA. That's fine. Be above the 75th percentile on LSAT at the schools you're fishing for scholarships at, and you should start to see some money if you if you follow our advice and apply broadly.
0: I do. I do have one question for Will. um I respect the fact that you're in Texas. It sounds like you have children. They're in Texas. Uh, you have family in Texas and you want to stay there. But I do have a question for you, and that is, if you could go for free to a school in another state, would you consider it? And if you would, then I would consider applying to some of those schools to see what you can get. Of course, look at the scholarship estimator. Don't waste your time on schools that are unlikely to give you a scholarship. But if there are schools that are likely to give you a scholarship with your numbers in other states, consider applying.
1: You should apply to at least a few of them out of state will just so that you can see what kinds of offers you might be able to get. Um, Yeah. Throw in that application to Wash U in St. Louis or throw in that application to, I don't know, some other school that's in the same time zone or, you know, one or two states away. And uh, just just see what kinds of don't sell yourself short. We've seen. I mean, you sound like a really good applicant. Law schools love military candidates, by the way
0: at the very least, right, the full ride scholarship from someone that you are unlikely to go to, but might go to could be enough to push another school in Texas to give you more money.
1: Yep. So, yep, absolutely. Uh, Thanks, Will. Also, um, I did want to say commendations on uh, already transferring your GI Bill money to your kids. That's excellent. Uh, that is a, a real nice way to just, you know, decide right now that you're not going to spend that money on law school tuition. It's just not a good use of that money if you have any other use for it. And your kids sa- sounds like a very worthy use. So play the scholarship game and get significant, if not full ride to law school. That's, that's a great plan.
0: Email daily at lsatdemon.com if you'd like to ask us a question or share some LSAT or law school admissions news. Thanks for listening.